Welcome to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with your host, Renee David Alkali. Are you searching for the path to the discovery of wholeness and balance in your life? We'll discuss the future of holistic health care and how the concepts discussed on today's show can help you make better choices in your life. Now, here is your host, Renee David Alkali. Good morning. And welcome to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life, the Genesis Health Hour. We're happy to be with you again this morning, broadcasting from New York City. So we've been speaking about um, aromatherapy for the mind and the body and the use of aromatherapy oils, uh, understanding the use of them a little more deeply. We finished, um, in our last segment, we finished um, some general instructions about how to use aromatherapy in the different ways. We left off with steam inhalation. We had discussed making mist sprays and um, the use in, if you have a home sauna or if you're going into a sauna, perhaps you could take uh, some eucalyptus uh, spray with you as long as it's not... um, bothersome to other people. Uh, Certainly the use of diffusers, body powders, creams, facial, doing a facial sauna, uh, the use of oils in massage, uh, the use of oils in baths. So we had left off our discussion with the the, uh, subject of safety and the handling of oils. and I, that's where we're going to continue. We'll pick up where we left off or a little before where we left off for those of you that are just uh, tuning in to us. And certainly if you have an interest in uh, the subject in its totality, all our shows are archived and you can listen to the previous two shows. We generally... Um, don't do uh, three or more shows on the same topic. We we do cover different topics. <clears throat> but um, in this case, uh, it seems that, uh, you know, your interest and uh, some of your feedback, we wanted to go a little bit deeper, a little more uh, comprehensively into the topic. <clears throat> so when we discuss safety... We have, to, we have to use certain principles. We have to follow certain rules. One of them is that when we use essential oils, these are very highly concentrated substances. And um, they should be diluted in a carrier oil before applying to the skin. We don't want to apply them directly to the skin. Uh, some of the most common carrier oils, some of the ones that I use are almond oil, which is one of my favorites. But certainly apricot kernel or avocado or barrage or flaxseed. I had mentioned these, grapeseed, hazelnut oil, jojoba. Uh, there's more sesame. You can use sesame oil, sunflower oil, walnut oil. I tend to stay a little closer to the first ones I mentioned, namely almond and avocado and perhaps flaxseed. I happen to like those. But that's a personal preference. The other thing about essential oils that you have to remember uh, or know 
is that we really want to use only pure essential oils. I had mentioned, as I said, we closed the show last week with this topic, so I'm just reiterating a few points before we move on. We uh, we don't want to use um, uh, a refined uh, oils. We only want to use pure essential oils, and even on the carrier oils, only pure, unrefined oils should be used. Do not purchase oils that are that are somehow extracted with solvents or any type of synthetic uh, refinement process because the refining process will take out a lot of the valuable nutrients and also um, what's added in in their place is chemical preservatives. That's generally for commercial reasons. It's to extend their shelf life. But it doesn't make for uh, a heal a really healing uh, uh, oil. <clears throat> for example, the oils of basil, bergamot, cinnamon, uh, just to mention a few. There's other orange, pepper, mint, spearmint. All of these can irritate the skin, especially if your skin is dry. Now, if you start experiencing some skin irritation. Uh, then immediately apply some lavender oil uh, uh, or a carrier oil to the area. That'll, that should quickly soothe the skin. If you're sensitive, then the number of drops of essential oils in a massage and bath oil formula can be reduced. You know, it's really the concept of biochemical individuality. As you know, I'm a board-certified naturopath. And as such, I work with that principle every day, biochemical individuality. It's not one size fits all. You have to experiment a little bit. And um, certainly uh, experiment with the help of a professional. Uh, Whatever we're teaching here, whatever we're sharing here, it's for educational purposes. Whenever, uh, whenever possible, in all cases, you should really be consulting with someone who is knowledgeable in the field and who can help you, help guide you. There's no particular certification that I'm familiar with for the use of uh, essential oils. So I'm not sure what professional you will find other than a naturopath or an herbologist. Um, but it is a good idea to, uh, to always consult with some professional in the field rather than self-medicating. When you're applying essential oils on the skin using a spray mist or, for example, taking a bath that it's scented, Uh, Be a little careful not to get essential oil vapors into your eyes. Uh, That might irritate the eyes. If your eyes are irritated, then just flush them out with cool water. Also, some care should be taken when using carrier and essential oils during pregnancy. A lot of the oils have a stimulating effect on the uterus that um, can certainly be very helpful at the appropriate time to facilitate childbirth. But if those oils are used before the time of childbirth, they can bring on premature labor. So these are considerations that must be taken seriously. 
even certain common foods or spices or vegetable oils, for example, celery, carrots, parsley, uh, to mention a few, or safflower oil, all of these can stimulate uterine contractions. So if there's an issue of pregnancy, certainly discuss this with your Oba or your wife if she's eligible about these subjects or with your friendly neighborhood uh, naturopath. Uh, but uh, you can always run things by your, your OBGYN and hopefully they are knowledgeable about these things. The amounts uh, uh, of uh, what is a safe amount, we could ask. Well, generally, two or three drops at a time of certain oils are safe, uh, even during pregnancy. Two or three drops will not create uh, an issue uh, when mixed with carrier oils. Uh, and the, the essential oils here that might not be a problem during pregnancy, if used minimally in the way I'm suggesting, or the way it's generally uh, known, would be bergamot, coriander, cypress, frankincense, uh, geranium, ginger, grapefruit, uh, lavender, certainly lavender is one of my favorite oils, lemon, mandarin, lime, uh, orange, patchouli, sandalwood, spearmint. I'm sure I'm leaving some out uh, Two others that come to mind actually would be tea tree oil and ylang ylang. In all these cases, you can use sesame oil as a carrier oil. So, um, you know, those would be some choices. If um, You can always listen to this program again and write these down. If not, you're welcome to write in to us and I'll be glad to share information with you. Suppose you're highly allergic. What do you do? Well, first of all, you would test to see if you are, if you, to determine if you have any sensitivity to a particular oil. What you would do there is just rub a drop of carrier oil on the upper chest area and uh, wait 12 hours. So you might do it after your shower, not before. You don't want to wash it off. Wait 12 hours, and then you check for any redness or any other skin reaction. If your skin is clear, then you might place one drop of essential oil diluted in 15 drops of the same carrier oil and repeat the experiment. Rub on the upper chest area. If there's no reaction after 12 hours, then the carrier and the essential oil can be used. It's a simple test, and... You do need to do it yourself. You know, no one can do this for you. It's not like you'll go to an allergist and uh, they can do this by some injections and seeing if you get little welts. Um, this is the most direct, uh, cheapest, and best test there is. You know, you just find out. Uh, when you're using an essential oil, uh, people have asked me, what about the use of alcohol? Can I have my glass of wine every day? Well, you know, a glass of wine every day is fine. You know, it has reserve retrol, as many of you know, and that is called the youth element in some cases. It keeps us a little young. It uh, keeps us younger. 
Uh, however, when you're using essential oils, don't consume alcohol, except perhaps a small glass of wine with a meal. That would be the limit. Uh, also, I would not be recommending the use of essential oils while on any medications, unless you really know what you're doing, because the oils might interfere with the medicine. Uh, if you're on some kind of medication, you really have to run this by your MD. And hopefully they're also knowledgeable about essential oils. Their basic position is going to be, don't do it. Um, I think in this case, finding an MD who has some knowledge of essential oils would be important. This applies also to the use of uh, orthomolecular uh, medicine, meaning vitamins and minerals. If you're on any kinds of meds, uh, you certainly want to have an intelligent opinion regarding the interaction between meds, orthomoleculars, herbs, amino acids, uh, any cleansing program you might consider, and certainly the use of essential oils. This is why self-medication is not something I've ever recommended. I'm giving you some general good information that you can use but the the last uh, the bottom line here is work with your healthcare uh, practitioner and let them guide you in this. Uh, it's worth the appointment and having a solid understanding of what you're doing because you're going to be doing that for a long time, hopefully. And you don't need 20 appointments for this. You don't need to finish a course on learning everything about aromatherapy because that in itself isn't going to answer the questions that we've just raised. It's not going to answer the question of whether a medicine that you're taking, a pharmaceutical drug, interacts with a particular essential oil. That's a specialized research uh, all of its own. When people ask me what I do, what's the hardest thing that I do, it really isn't putting someone on a cleanse or recommending uh, guiding them through a better diet or certain vitamins and minerals. The hardest thing that I do, which takes me really a long time, which unfortunately a lot of doctors don't do with their patients. If you think about it, uh, you might... A person might be seeing three or four different doctors, all of them putting a patient on different meds. It's very imperative that there's at least one doctor who is monitoring all of that to check on interactions. I have often found that's not the case, and that's really problematic. So the hardest thing that I do is to research any possible interactions between particular pharmaceuticals, or drugs or medications, and any of the suggestions that I might guide someone toward. Uh, so this is uh, an important question, an important issue. When we look at, uh, I don't want to become overly political, but when we look at the third leading cause of death, which is death by medicine, uh, we find that you know, this is this is the question, the interaction of various medications that that can really cause problems in a person. We we just had um, 
We just had the death in the news of Prince. For those of you that follow the news or are interested in music, uh, and uh, the latest thing that's come out in the news is that because he was quite young and there were no signs of illness, is that uh, it may well have been an interaction between his use of cocaine and the pharmaceutical drug Prilosec. I believe it was Prilosec, unless I misheard. So, you know, the, the, the interaction of certain things can harm you, can kill you. Uh, we're not sure yet of the cause of death uh, with Prince, but certainly that's one thing that's just come out. Um, so don't use essential oils while on medication. Uh, don't you, don't you, if you're on medication, don't use anything without really researching or talking to someone knowledgeable. Don't self-medicate. Um, what happens after you apply citrus oils on the skin? If you apply any citrus oils, you want to avoid sunbathing, avoid saunas, avoid any type of hot baths. Because with citrus oils, if you're going to any kind of hot bath, for example, the Russian steam baths or saunas or sunbathing, uh, you might damage your skin. You want to avoid skin damage. What about the handling of oils? Well, if you have essential oils and they spill on furniture, uh, they might remove the finish. Concentrated, essential oils are very concentrated. So you have to be careful when you're handling the bottles. Also, essential oils uh, should be stored in brown-colored glass bottles. And you I want to keep them in a dark, cool place. The other thing to always use with essential oils is a dropper when measuring drops. You don't want to guesstimate. You don't want to guess it. You want to be exact. Um, also keep all the bottles tightly closed to prevent the oils from evaporating or oxidizing. And another thing about essential oils, always store the essential oils out of reach and out of sight of children. Uh, if these are consumed internally, these can be extremely harmful to, to deadly you know, want to keep them out of the reach of children. There's some helpful measurements that um, that uh, I can share with you. For example, because some um, some uh, instructions may say use a teaspoon, some you may say use milliliters, some may say drops. So generally, a hundred drops equal one teaspoon, or one teaspoon equals 100 drops, and that equals five milliliters. 300 drops would be the equivalent of one tablespoon, and we're not talking about arbitrary tablespoons. We're talking about a, a measuring tablespoon, and that would be equivalent to 15 milliliters. 600 drops would be equivalent to one ounce, and 30 milliliters. So we're going to take uh, our first break. When we come back, we'll discuss an interesting topic, the power of the mind in relationship uh, certainly to everything we do, 
But um, I do want to discuss that as part of this topic, not only of uh, aromatherapy, but of herbs, of health in general, the power of the mind. We'll be back shortly with you with this very, very fascinating subject. Stay tuned with us, and we'll be back shortly. You are listening to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with your host, myself, Renee David Alkali. I am a naturopathic doctor in private practice in Forest Hills, New York, at 10202 Metropolitan Avenue. A description of classes and programs that we offer is available on our website, www.genesistreeoflife.com. We offer wellness programs in yoga, martial arts, tai chi, ballroom dance, personal and group fitness, meditation, and seminars on various health topics. These are at our studio or as in reach at your facility. We can bring these programs to you, to your organization. Check our website, www.genesistreeoflife.com, for our corporate wellness program and some of our other classes. Or you may call us at 718-544-5997. So once again, that number is 718-544-5997. And do call us if we can be of help. If we, we're here and we're happy to work with you. I had uh, said we're going to talk about the power of the mind. This is one of my favorite, very favorite topics, uh, because the mind, uh, the human brain is truly incredible. Uh, The more I've studied it, the more I learn about it, uh, the more mysterious and incredible it seems. The brain is the most complex structure of living cells that's known in the whole universe. To date, we don't know anything more complex. The approximate weight of a brain is about 3 pounds or 1.35 kilograms. It uses about 20% of the body's oxygen intake. It contains up to 100 billion neurons and a greater number of glial cells that nourish and service the neurons. And unlike other brains that, that we've studied in the animal kingdom, the human brain possesses a a special ability, the ability of higher consciousness. We can think logically, we can reason, we can plan, uh, we have creative imagination, we can envision what's, what's not been created yet and bring it into manifestation. We have the capability to take action, to carry out a vision until it becomes a reality. It's an incredible structure. The brain provides us with the ability to generate truly extraordinary thoughts and ideas. We build structures. We build uh, temples and and, uh, churches and skyscrapers, uh, magnificent structures. We put together machinery One of the greatest inventions that ever happened was the invention of the wheel. Whoever that genius was who invented a wheel, the wheel is basic to 
just about anything. So much, so many of the things we have. Uh, if you think about it, the wheel is part of it. The wheel is part of a watch. It's part of watch mechanisms. It's an, it was truly an, an act of inspiration and genius to create, to invent the wheel. Uh, but that's the tip of the iceberg. You know, beyond that, look what's come about from it. The equipment, the tools. We, we see obstacles. We can overcome them. Uh, we can find ways to make life easier for us. I mean, today we have the digital world with us. Uh, we've created, we've came up with electricity, something that no one really fully understands. It's a mystery, the power of electricity. And yet we've learned to harness it and to use it. Um, the brain can help us develop and produce uh, on top of the good things, certainly some of the most disastrous things we, we've come up with. Weapons of war and destruction. Um, which have caused incredible pain and suffering in the world and still do. Annihilation of large numbers of people and destruction of environment. So, you know, the brain is has both of those aspects to it. We have those aspects. We have the ability to create and to destroy on a massive level. It says in the book of Isaiah... Uh, interestingly enough, where God speaks through Isaiah, uh, not that this isn't a reg, uh, religion program here, but uh, I do like uh, I do like my Bible, and it says in Isaiah, in the words of God, "Do not destroy my world, for if you destroy it, none will come after you who can fix it." We've been given tremendous power, and. Unfortunately, we don't always use it in the best way, but we want to. We want to use our brains in the best possible way, to be productive, to be constructive, um, to be destructive when, when destruction leads to a higher creation. For example, uh, to, to cut down some trees to build a house, Yes, but to cut down whole tracts of forests uh, in order to to feed uh, uh, herds of cattle to destroy whole rainforests, well, that may be a stupid choice, you know. So I'm not going to go too far into this because then I'll get I'll get uh, pulled into some things that I strongly, strongly believe in. That I uh, that become a little too political, and I I'd really want to share health information with you. It's, it's unavoidable to be somewhat political because these issues cross lines. We're familiar with fire walking today, um, walking on hot burning coals. You know this isn't a new practice. People I have friends who've done it, and people who've done it say it's an incredibly liberating experience. Uh, who, what animal would think of doing that? You know, the human being has come up with that. It's, uh, it's a long-standing tradition that we know dates back at least 2,500 years. It's a tradition in certain cultures in China, in Japan, in Tibet, and in India. Uh, then firewalking spread to Europe. And of course, it's in the United States today. 
how can we say a person can walk on burning coals that reach temperatures as high as 1,200 to 1,300 Fahrenheit, that's 500 to 600 centigrade, without getting burned? How does that happen? How can that happen? When a yogi sits on a board full of protruding sharp nails, why doesn't he get a single scratch? And if a yogi in a meditative state is buried alive for several hours or days, how is it possible to find him alive when we dig him up? You know, uh, some of these things are incomprehensible if we don't understand the power of the mind. Uh, The power of the mind can produce acts that are phenomenal, that defy all the laws of science. And um, in 1964, there was a writer called Norman Cousins. He became ill with ankylosing spondylitis. That is an excruciating, debilitating disease. It attacks the connective tissue. It infuses the joints together. His spine was distinctly, was distinctly disintegrating, and he could hardly move his jaw to open his mouth. Uh, Norman Cousins was given a one in five hundred chance to live, but the specialist who examined him also warned Cousins that he hadn't heard of anyone who had previously survived the disease. So what happened? Norman Cousins obviously panicked. Uh, His life stopped at that point, as it stops for many people who've been given a death sentence. And he started to research extensively the the effects of stress and negative emotions on the body. So he made a decision to take some responsibility for his recovery and to maintain a positive attitude. He stopped his pain medication and he began to practice something called laughter therapy. Now, I am a certified laughter yoga yoga laughter guide we have yoga laughter classes and it's an incredible practice i could tell you much more about it but i want to stay on the subject for now so he did laughter therapy he watched comedy films he was reading humorous books um and what happened to him was actually quite incredible he began to improve Dramatically. And um, after four months of this, he miraculously returned to work full time. So, and he regained his life. The basis of his work is the basis for the, for the subject of psychoneuroimmunology, the field of medicine of psychoneuroimmunology. Um, Cousins also did another experiment to determine the effects that inner feelings have on the cells of the immune system. And he took a sample of blood. He waited five minutes, then took another sample. And before he took the second sample, he put himself in a state of joyous excitement. He visualized a peaceful world and people being kind and compassionate, people being good to each other, getting along with each other. 
And the results were truly amazing. He found an average increase of 50% of immune system cells in the second sample. Um, the, the, uh, the B cells, T cells, the cytotoxic cells, the NK cells, a 50% increase. I hope you're really listening to this because you can change your life this very moment. Right now, you can dramatically change your life. In 1979, Cousins wrote an inspirational best-selling book called Anatomy of an Illness, and he credited positive thinking for his recovery. He held the belief that emotions play a major role in determining our state of health. Cousins' book, showed the importance of taking responsibility for the outcome of our lives. There are other examples. We're going to take a second break. Please stay with us because this subject is so critical to your life and to your health. And if you take just a small percentage away with you of what we're talking about, you can dramatically, dramatically, magically, and amazingly change your life this very moment. And the minute this show is over, over, you can start to totally shift the direction of your life. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a few moments. You are listening to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with your host, myself, Dr. Renee David Alkali. I am a naturopathic doctor in private practice in Forest Hills, New York, at 102-02 Metropolitan Avenue in Forest Hills. A complete description about my services and the products that are available at our wellness center can be found on my website, www.genesishealthbeauty.com. That's www.genesishealthbeauty.com or you may call us at 718-544-5997 We're back with you. Um, I I hope you're really fully, fully listening and understanding what we're talking about. There's another book I would strongly recommend besides uh, Norman Cousins' Anatomy of an Illness. These are worthwhile books to read and to absorb every single word. The other one that's inspirational, is very inspirational, is a book called The Jason Winters Story. Some of you may be familiar with Jason Winters. Jason Winters was um, really an adventurer, He was an incredible person. Uh, He was living an adventurous life, a life full of excitement. He crossed the Rockies in a hot air balloon. He canoed 2,000 miles. That's 3,200 kilometers down the Mackenzie River. He crossed the Sahara Desert by camel. He tested seatbelts by crashing into brick walls. He was a stuntman in the movies. And during all this time uh, of adventure, his, on a personal note, his lifestyle was also, uh, he also had a number, 
of habits that may not have served him well. He smoked 30 cigarettes every day. He drank rye whiskey. He was a heavy drinker at least once a week. And finally, one day, he noticed there was a tumor on the side of his neck. He was hoping it would just disappear, but instead it kept getting larger. The growth attached to his jugular vein wrapped around his carotid artery. Winters was then, of course, was uh, undergoing certain tests. He was, went to doctors. He was diagnosed at that point with having terminal cancer, but he refused surgery. He had a great will to live and, he, and a great love of life. This is who he was, you know, crossing the Rockies, a hot air balloon, canoeing, going through the Sahara. He loved life. He was filled with the excitement of life. But he did stop his bad habits. He stopped cigarettes, stopped drinking. He changed his lifestyle. He started uh, a program that, in his, in an attempt to change the the direction of the illness, he kept a positive mindset. He kept hope uh, very much alive. He was determined. He took a mixture of herbs every day, and uh, well, you can guess the outcome. He regained his health a hundred percent. He was back at work within nine weeks, within nine weeks. He had a full recovery. His recovery is detailed in this book, The Jason Winters Story. Some other examples. Um, Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister was a 26-year or 25-year-old British track runner. And he really shocked the sports world. This was in uh, 1954. He broke the four-minute mile barrier uh, in a race in Oxford. And until he broke the record, it was pretty much accepted that no human being could run a mile in less than four minutes. However, after a few months after this belief was shattered by Bannister, other track runners also were able to break the four-minute mile. Um, to understand this, perhaps you might read a book called The Hundred Monkeys, but I'm not going to go into that because that's an incredible topic in itself. And since that time, it's estimated that over 400 runners have succeeded in duplicating or bettering Bannister's accomplishments. Uh, 1976, uh, World Olympics, uh, Russians dominated. They won more medals than any other country. In the beginning, it was thought that they used steroid drugs. But then it was discovered that the Russians didn't use steroid drugs, but were engaged in a form of mind conditioning of their athletes. For mind conditioning, we might go back to the work of people like Dr. Luzanov, who worked with children and developed the whole system of super learning, which is still in use today throughout the world. Many of the um, things that some of you out there are using uh, for, for improved learning might be coming from Luzanov, and you're not simply aware of it. 
Um, the Russian athletes who were talking about conditioned their minds for peak performance uh, by intense concentration. And that also caused very profound changes in the brain. What was found is the left brain hemisphere basically exploded with what's called alpha waves. Uh, alpha waves are very much like a trance-like state. And that results in a left brain becoming relaxed, the right brain taking control. Additionally, uh, for athletes, a lot of successful musicians, entertainers, performers experience this. It's known, for example, that 60 to 90% of an athlete's sports performance is due to the conditioning of the mind. I hope that you are really listening to what we're talking about. This is so powerful. We're, uh, I'm going to give you some tools that you can start to use, and if you need more, certainly you're welcome to come work with me personally or work with someone who is working with these ideas and these principles and training people because they are so critical, so powerful. The first one is visualization. It's a process of using our thoughts and our ima- imagination to create a picture in our mind and the goal that we're seeking to accomplish. We know in psychology that the brain thinks in pictures, not in abstractions. We can think abstractly, of course, but we can conceive abstractly, but we really see in pictures. And we practice mental imagery regularly without knowing we're practicing it. We do it all the time. Most of the things, if not everything in life, originates in the mind as a thought or a vision of some kind. We're visualizing um, when when we're shopping for a new house or shopping for new clothes. We're visualizing ourselves in that house. We're visualizing ourselves in that suit or in that dress. Uh, When we're thinking of moving to a different state, we're visualizing ourselves in that place. Our ideas move progressively into a very tangible goal. And that process is vital for enabling us to see and plan for what we want in life. If we cannot visualize what we want, It's hard to achieve it, and the best workmen in any field are those that can create the clearest visual image of what it is they want. One of my favorite stories is the story of Michelangelo, and this is an actual quote from when he was in, perhaps it's a paraphrase quote, I don't remember the exact words, but it's pretty close. When he was interviewed because he was not just a painter, he was a sculptor, a magnificent sculptor. He was interviewed once uh, by uh, a person of his uh, historian in his time, and the person asked him one question, asked him many questions, but among the questions was the question of how do you create such magnificent sculptures? His answer is, Classic. His answer is so to the point that I cannot think of a better quote to use. His answer was, I look at the rock 
and I see the sculpture in the lo- in the rock, hidden in the rock. And then all I have to do is chip away what's around it and reveal it. What an amazing, what an amazing statement. I see the sculpture, I see the statue clearly in my mind, like in the rock, I see it clearly. And then all I have to do is chip away what's hiding it and reveal, the, reveal it, reveal what's already there. But is it in the rock or is it in the mind or is it between the two? We may not be able to fully answer this question, but the power of visualization is clearly, clearly what is inherent in inside of us and absolutely essential for the creative process of our achieving our goals. When we fail continuously without learning from our mistakes, it is because we have deep-seated negative feelings the either from our past, perhaps we need to heal our inner child. This is a whole other side of work that I do. Or we cannot clearly visualize what we want. We haven't focused it enough. Or we somehow find some way for the deeper level of our mind to sabotage us. We're holding thoughts that are contradictory. We're creating our problems. We're creating our limitations. We're creating the the situation that is leading to our failure. You must acknowledge this process. You must acknowledge these ideas if you want to have a successful life and a healthy life, overcoming some deep-rooted problems. Perhaps that requires a tremendous amount of will and determination. Perhaps you need the help of a professional, a psychotherapist, a therapeutic counselor, a pastoral counselor, an intelligent friend, a meditation guide, someone who will guide you to the deepest levels of your mind to truly understand who you are on the deepest levels and what it is you want. When you want to achieve a goal, you must make some real you must make it somewhat realistic and attainable of course but we can go beyond that in our imagination to things that we believed were unattainable we never thought we could fly in the air like birds and yet we created airplanes the wright brothers and people before that attempted it we've We never thought we could swim in the deepest levels of the sea. Then we created aqua lungs and diving equipment. And suddenly we're going to the deepest levels or deep levels of the sea and swimming freely with fishes, with fish. And this isn't like the godfather about, you know, someone sleeping with the fish. We're swimming with the fish. These are major factors. What about our intuition? We all have intuition, and this can lead us uh, in good ways or it can lead us astray. We need to develop our intuition. Uh, It's a strong feeling coming out of a deep voice of wisdom, an inner wisdom, an inner voice that gives us insight. Uh, It's too much of a topic here to discuss the difference between intuition and impulse, but understand there is a difference. Intuition can lead us into positive 
uh, in positive ways, impulse can be positive or negative. We say that in- true intuition is never wrong. Impulse can be right or wrong. And how do we differentiate? We're going to take uh, our third break now. Please stay with us. We'll finish at least a little bit of this uh, because this is a different topic than just the topic of aromatherapy. This is the topic of the power of the mind. And it does need at least one more session. So this will be half of our session today, uh, let's say, touched on this. Uh, We'll see if we can finish it. If not, I'll mention the things we still have to discuss. But for now, stay with us and we'll do as much as we can. We'll be back in just a few minutes a few moments to uh, finish the topic on intuition. Stay with us. We'll be back shortly. You are listening to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with your host, myself, Dr. Renee David Alkali. I am a naturopathic doctor in private practice in Forest Hills, New York, at 10202 Metropolitan Avenue. I want to take a moment to tell you about our free programs for veterans with PTSD, for children with cancer, and for young adults with mental disabilities. If you have a loved one or friends um, that fall into any of these categories, please have them call us. Uh, We have free programs available. There is no charge. Uh, We offer these through our not-for-profit and you can find us online at www.genesissociety.org. These programs are made available by your generous support. Please continue to support them. Continue to help us make them available at no charge to our community. Check our website, www.genesissociety.org. Or you may call us at 718-544-5997. So I'm not going to be repeating any numbers because I don't want to take even a moment away from this incredible topic that, that can actually transform your life as of right now. No waiting time no taking medications for months, no exercising for months, something that can actually transform you right now, if you're ready for it. You know, there's a saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. We have to be ready for some change. We have to have worked out some of the deeper issues. It's true. But if we, if we have worked those out, and we're ready to make that change, that change can happen instantaneously. We all have intuition. Um, it's a vital, vital part of us, yet the messages that come through intuition are often disregarded by us. We're not listening. I think one of the problems in our modern society is that we have too much noise. It's a noisy world. If we can come into a quiet space, perhaps we can start to hear that inner voice a little more clearly. 
not possible to hear it when you're constantly bombarded by noise, pollution, noise. Uh, another area where intuition plays a role or where we touch into the realm of the unconscious mind, some of our deeper, uh, our deeper uh, understandings or deeper levels of mind uh, are through dreams. We have in, in intuition in our dreams. Uh, certainly we have the idea of dreams giving us messages from the most ancient times we have it from the Egyptian literature from the Kabbalistic literature of the Hebrews we have it from Sumerians from you know all the ancient cultures had some idea that dreams can provide messages that are critical certainly they've been important for writers and artists and creative people they've been I know that a number of ideas that have come through in uh, some of the books of poetry that I've written have come as a result of dreams and my putting them down into a uh, writing the dreams down and seeing that they were uh, automatically in a kind of poetic language we do need to interpret dreams uh, a few examples would be uh, the, that that you might consider as Niels Bohr. Niels Bohr, he was the he won the Nobel Prize for the discovery of quantum theory. For those of you that don't know, how did he come to his idea? He credits his idea to the fact that he had a dream. He dreamed of a day at the horse at the races, and in his dream, he realized that the lanes at the racetrack were an example of the specific orbits that electrons follow around atomic nuclei. Um, that led to his discovery of quantum theory. What about writers? Um, Robert Louis Stevenson, he credited his dreams for a lot of his story ideas including the characters of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Samuel Taylor Coleridge said that he, uh, that he uh, came up with the rhyme of the ancient mariner from a dream. Also, um, well, the list can go on. You know, so many writers and inventors and scientists and artists have credited their creation and their discoveries from uh, the power of dreams. The beneficial aspect of intuition, I did say there were two levels, and this is an important thing. There is intuition, there is impulse. Sometimes we have an inner voice that tells us to do something, and sometimes that inner voice may be intuition, sometimes it may be an impulse. It's Therefore, intelligent not to put all our trust in that inner voice if we're making a decision. We need to look more deeply into it, certainly. We need to listen to it, to understand it, but then to investigate a little further, to use the mind a little further. One uh, way to determine if something is intuition or impulse is by its longevity. Uh, for example, an impulse does not have lasting power. We have an impulse to do something, 
We might confuse it with intuition, but the very next day, that impulse is not there. It may not even be there in the very next hour. Intuition, however, if we don't act on it right away, is a voice that will continue to come back to us. It comes back to prod us and push us and guide us and say, do this, do this, do this, or avoid this, avoid this, avoid this. A relationship, get out of it, get out of it now, or fix it, you know, something. You know, the idea of intuition really has a greater staying power. But always review whatever voice is speaking to you internally. Review it with your mind. Research it further. Um, I would not certainly, based on that inner voice, immediately change my whole stock portfolio or take all uh, any monies that I have and just give them suddenly away because some inner voice told me that. Uh, we do need to review and, re- and analyze and reflect. And that is our next topic, reflection. We only have a couple of minutes. But reflection is a place where our actions, our thoughts, our hopes, uh, the things we do today play an important role in how we structure our world for tomorrow. It's it becomes critical for us to look into ourselves periodically for some self-assessment, for evaluation, for evaluating why we're here, asking those questions. What is my life about? What direction do I want in my life? We are the, the, the owner of our business. We are the the general of our army. We are the president of our corporation. We are the president of our country. And we have the responsibility of steering in the, steering whatever enterprise we have in the direction we want it to go. We have to know where we are currently. That's reflection. Where are we currently and where do we want to go? If we're going to California, we want to know, are we leaving from Chicago? Are we leaving from New York? Are we leaving from Alaska? How do we, how do we create our map of how to go? That is reflection. So we're coming to the end of our show, uh, our program today. We haven't discussed a number of things that really need to be concluded. And um, since this program wasn't just about aromatherapy, it was about the the power of the mind, in next week's program, we will conclude with ideas about what, how do we motivate ourselves, how do we improve ourselves, what is meditation, what is self-appreciation, how do we love ourselves, what is introspection, how do we relax, What is a relaxation exercise? I will share all that with you, and hopefully your life will be transformed from this moment on. Please follow these ideas and apply them in your life. Thank you for being with me. Uh, I appreciate your following me and your being with me and your sharing your thoughts. And God bless you. And I look forward to being with you once again next week.